So why do you shop at night then? People want me up. How? Eric, they're in. What about your friends? So you don't have any friends? No. What about a girlfriend? How old are you? I'm 26. When was the last time you had a girlfriend? Never had one. So don't you get lonely then? podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome to the podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. Ladies and gentlemen, you have found the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And guys, typically with me, guys and gals, uh, typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And, you know, speaking of gals, Reed was gonna be here. Uh, But he texted me a few minutes ago saying he'd gotten a ride home with a a benevolent gal, lady, woman. Uh, He was, I guess, walking. um, You know, he lives in a little area where he can kind of walk to his little grocery store and maybe he was running late and someone offered to give him a ride. So he texted saying he'd be a few minutes late. I, you know, it's 2020. I'm sure uh, Reed can handle himself. He's fine. Everything's all right. Nothing to worry about there. In the meantime... Allow me to welcome you back to our year-long Umbrella Series, that of 2020-2020, our series celebrating, honoring the election process. Here, we honor the election process and respect the outcomes this year, specifically with this series examining 20 films of the last 20 years in the year 2020, which is just a wildly long year. Uh, to know more about this series, we have a precap episode way back in like January, which, woo, that feels like a long time ago. Today, we are looking at the year 
2013. I think that's correct. I, however, as I am quite prone to do, I'm getting ahead of myself. And you can tell I just had coffee a little while ago. Because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We do not explain. Except for right now, when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch a good bit of Fear of God episodes on YouTube. And you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you will find episode archives and merchandise, including cell phone cases, t-shirts, campaign buttons, face masks, magnets, pillows, read! Ha ha ha! Hey, buddy! you're here i I know for a minute there you've texted me that you know you were hitching a ride that's not it's not something that's real common for you no careful out there yeah you know i i've not been prone very much to hitchhiking in my day but you know well they seemed so nice yeah you know i'm sure it's fine you're uh, welcome back (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad you're here riri we did an election day quarterly king last week. I know Can we believe did. That? Man, it's, that was fun. I, wait, yeah, let me rephrase great. that. We did an election week quarterly king. Yeah. Because <laughs> while we typically honor it with a day this year, <laughs> like like everything else this year, we should have known, you know, they tried to tell us. It's the Energizer it's election. It just keeps going yeah. and going and going. Maybe by the time this episode airs, we'll know who pres- the president is. I'm Maybe. not holding out my my breath. Sure, um, sure. So, but uh, wishful thinking. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, a good friend, Chris Clark, sent me uh, a link to my social media feed that was just a picture of Bill Murray from Groundhog Day saying it's election day again. <laughs> it just keeps cycling through. Yeah. and through. And yeah, through. we'll get there. Uh, it's true. We'll get there. Yes. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, with one country uh, to show for it. Uh, speaking of. Business, which is not what we've been doing, but it's business time. <laughs> business. <laughs> Ow. Uh, Riri, we got a Facebook group. Did you know that? Do we? When did you, we get yeah, a Facebook? You knew that. Did I? You know, Facebook, home of your grandma, your grandpa, some neo-Nazis <laughs> is also home to the Fear of God Facebook group. You know, it's, it's all good. There's sure. a space for everybody. Uh, uh that is, you know, yes. Remarkably, I don't know how closely you're watching the calendar, but 2021 is like bearing down on us. I'm not convinced it's going to get here, but if, you know, just in the normal course of month going, it's at least ethereally yeah. out there. But when um, it comes, and you it's and loaded I, for bear. Do what? Yeah, I? I said, but when it comes, it's loaded for bear. It's like, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a real soft landing for 2021 when, you know when the jokes make you sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you and i tend to take january off from just yes. kind of the standard episodes um yeah. you know so this facebook group is a great way to keep active in the fear of god community um you know there's conversations about films not featured on the show there's uh halloween pictures of kids and adults and yes. there's just general discussion of general matters 
matters yes. is what I meant to say. I think it. I said manners, but you know, hmm. I mean, everybody's very well manners. mannered in our Fear of God Facebook group. Most that of them, except true. that one. You know who you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of this can be found in the Facebook group, and we would love to see you over there. Come find us at the Fear of God Podcast Facebook group. Yes. What do you? What do you what, what's oh, business wait, you got? there you is got any business. To yes. Share? There's one other thing that we want you to do. So um, listen, we haven't announced this in a long time, but uh, this is something that's still available to you. Um, we also, in addition to a Facebook group, we have a website, fearofgodpodcast.com. We and we would really like to know, because we've built a little database of some of our regular foggers, uh, we would love to have your email address just so that you can stay informed about upcoming things. We can alert you to times when we need your input make special announcements when other special surprising things are coming up. Um, so, And we're going to give you a little incentive to give us your free email address. Um, go to fearofgodpodcast.com, click on the subscribe through the website, and it's a kind of a two-part verification because you'll get an email from that, and you need to reply to that email. And if you reply to that email with a good mailing address, can be a P.O. box, can be your home address, whatever, if you reply to that with a, a good mailing address, we'll send you a free sticker, a free Fear of God sticker. No cost to you at all. Just all you, all it's taken is the two minutes it took to hit subscribe at fearofgodpodcast.com so, and reply so to that email. If a listener right now goes mm-hmm. to the fearofgodpodcast.com yes. and they hit the subscribe button, yes. it doesn't auto-subscribe them is what you're telling me. No, it'll send it you an email that send you have to send them an yes. email. Right now, that email you just reply to to verify I'm me and I'm a person. Yeah. I'm not a bot and I'm real. You know? I'm not a robot. And then yeah. actually, uh, what will happen is we, and by we, I mean probably me, will reach out mm, to them most likely and you. solicit them for their email address. Oh, see, that's I'm a sorry step for I their mailing remember. address. I'm sorry for their mailing address. Uh, to be clear, that's a step I did not remember. Yes. Okay, you hit the button. And then you verify, and then I say, what's up? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'll ask for the mailing address and then send them a lovely sticker designed by Jacob Hunt with our initial inaugural Fear of God art. That's awesome. So, yes, we want to give you a sticker if you will give us your email address. Uh, it's really not as complicated as it sounded. Speaking of not complicated, <laughs> uh, we would love, I mean, we're, we're not complicated people here. We are unabashed in our requests. We want a review. And frankly, uh, a five-star one would be awesome. It's been a little while since sure, we've yeah. plugged this, which is mm-hmm. fine. We are very confident in our capacity and capability um, and competency most of the time. Uh, mm. Coherence is a, little, is a little <laughs> bit of a struggle. Um, if you have not left us a review, why not? <laughs> go do it. Go do it. It's not difficult. Just Don't go so pushy. Just go to iTunes uh, and and type it in and be like, Nathan, talk too much, but Reed is awesome. I love the fear of God. Wow. You know, <laughs> or reverse it, whatever. Um, but yeah, send us, write us a review. We would really love to have that, and we're not ashamed to ask for it. So uh, join the Facebook group. Indulge mm-hmm. the frivolity there. Yep. Um, no Russians or neo-Nazis, please. Um, <laughs> I mean, if and, you are, <laughs> I mean, like. Yeah, you know, I mean. I mean like. Okay, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> emails for stickers. <laughs> send us your email. We'll send you a sticker uh, and then leave us a review. That's Those are the asks. That's the yeah. business time. Can I mention one more Please. small little bit? And it might be a, a bit of a segue. You're going off book, but go for I it. I am going off book, but it might be a little bit of a segue. Uh, just don't think we mentioned it as hard as I know it, it's in reference and we'll talk about it in a minute. You also need to go to fearofgodpodcast.com, click on the banner on the top of the page, mm-hmm. and vote for the remainder mm-hmm. of the yeah. 2020 survey. Make your voice heard. That's right. And we will count them 
all of them. All of we them. will count all of them, Everyone. and it will matter. Yes, and they they will they don't magically appear. They just nope. They just nope. are there because you voted. That's, That's how exactly right. So the democratic process works exactly. So as of right There's now, nothing on our brain at all. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. Um, so as of right now, we are about to enter into your top 10 of 2013. So there's that coming. Um, tw- the 2014 survey is closed. So as of this episode, you cannot vote on 2013 or 2014. Those are locked. But 2015 on through 2020 are still open for you to go and influence the top 10 list. So please. That's crazy. By all means, feargodpodcast.com, banner at the top. That is the last bit of business time. And I, uh, apologies I am, for not. I am remiss that we did not initially throw that in there. That's all right. Uh, but that's what I, that's what you're for because in addition to being Reed Lackey, in addition to being Dr. Reedenstein, you are in a, you are actually and in fact, Lackey the listicle, my occasionally listless list making lackey. And here we are once more. Hi, everybody. Lackey the. <laughs> <laughs> i've missed you it's good to oh be here. man it's good to be here it's good to be with you listicle <laughs> um so reed we are back in 2020 2020 and we got some lists to get to why don't you <laughs> prep us because you know what brings me some joy right now what is the fact that i forgot about you know looking up numbers and stuff and just i don't know there's something just heartwarming like i love in the morning yeah <laughs> but goodness gracious <laughs> and just being back in lists and box office numbers things that feel like normal world you know yeah i get it now when we get to 2020 we're gonna be like oh my gosh it's gonna be so weird yeah yeah. well this movie made a hundred (laughs) dollars i know that's worth that's worth setting up because man i am so curious to see how these next few lists i mean obviously 2013 14 even 15 but from 2016 on i'm very curious to see where they land because that's some information that you know we've already counted down those lists uh in you know throughout the years we would do best of lists mm-hmm. from previous years and especially when we get to 2020 some really interesting things have uh shaken up there but uh you know not necessarily in hat, box office numbers, hat but. tip to lee winnell and elizabeth moss you guys yeah. <laughs> You snuck it in, just, just right like the Invisible Man. It was right, right there. Top. That's all. That's all we got. Yeah, it's like okay, all right, fine. You guys knew something. <laughs> it's like we we need to hurry. Okay, let's just let's just crank this in. Um, okay, so uh, yes, we are about to count down right now your top ten from 2013. These are your favorite horror films. From 2013. Listeners' favorites. favorite horror films from 2013. So, okay, we are going to... Do you want to do evens or odds this time around? You no. know what? Whatever. <laughs> I thought you were I'm, about, a, I'm a gentleman. You go first, Reed. I thought you were about to be like, you know what? I'll do, but no, no. Um, okay, so I'll go, I'll, I'll go evens. All right. So first up is a film... I am that, so zen. I have no horse in any race. I just, <laughs> just want to be present and commune this is just fun. with my brother. Yeah. So, yeah. That's right. Um, so, the first one is a film that I would highly recommend. It is a bit more of a sci-fi psychological thriller, but it is uh, quite strong. It is a really fascinating and fun movie. It is called Coherence, directed by James Ward Bierkett. And um, it was a bit of a sleeper independent film. Um, I don't want to say too much about the premise, except that um, there are elements of dual 
in like dual natures, dual individuals, perhaps overlapping parallel universes, perhaps time shifts up, down, in and around. It is a really fun kind of a mind trip. Uh, and, uh, and, and really great. And uh, enough listeners have seen it that it landed at number 10, uh, on this, uh, this list. Number 10 is coherence. Hmm. <laughs> have you ever seen it? <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, <laughs> I was excited because I flip flopped. Well, I'm not excited because I flip flopped. Oh. I inadvertently read the lists out of sequence and the 2014 list. I've, I have seen them all read really all hey! of them on 2014. <laughs> However, this is not the 2014 list so no i've not seen all of these however i have seen number nine which is not mother by bong joon ho nor is it mother by darren aronofsky (laughs) it is in fact mama (laughs) directed by andy muschetti of it fame um Mm -hmm. we have not talked about mama uh just yeah (laughs) oh mama (laughs) do you think andy muschetti's friends are like andy i haven't seen your mama you know and he's like okay okay joke enough enough it's not funny anymore you know but but no i haven't seen it either (laughs) that's all he ever gets (laughs) 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 and is your mama seen it wait whoa Oh, guys, it's like uh, it's like Buzz in the Toy Story game. He's like, Andy. Oh, that's funny. Um, so we featured Mr. Muschietti on our Quarterly King episodes involving the iterations of it, uh, mm-hmm. the installments of it, if you will. Uh, Del Toro produced. My- Have you seen Mama? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen your Mama. <laughs> um, Mama Jessica does Chastain. feature. Mama. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> Ooh, mama. <laughs> no. I promise no. I've not had any alcohol. And though you know, though though there were some expansions in drug availability on the ballot recently, they did not hit North Carolina and I've never done that either. Regardless, <laughs> I have seen mama. Um it's okay. That said, it's got a heck of a scare in it. The dancing, oh, the, yes, the, the blanket above the frame, the split yes. screen, that, mm, Mr. Muschietti, is why you got it. Get oh, it. man, it was so freaky. Yeah, no, get I couldn't it. agree more. So I'm, I think I've mentioned before on pod that, like, my mom was an extra Uh-oh. in the upcoming, not in Mama, no. Um, <laughs> Your but, mama's in Mama? But my, my mom was not <laughs> Your mama and mama. <laughs> has your mama, mama about your mama? Has, has mama seen mama? I don't know. Oh, think. oh mama, 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 mama Mia. <laughs> oh what were you about to say? Here we Come go again. Um, so, um, no, uh, my mom. My mom and dad were in were extras in the upcoming film about the the Tammy Faye biopic that Jessica, oh, Jessica Chastain is in. Oh. Um, didn't know my, that. my mom has straight up like met Jessica Chastain, had a little brief conversation with her, and and I'm sitting mama. here, I'm like, oh my god, like I have had so many celebrity encounters, and like not that one, not that one, and and she's she, like, mama, it was delightful to hear that that Jessica Chastain, at least to my adorable little mother, who if, if listeners don't know, my mother love that knowing your general stature and you just saying my adorable <laughs> little mother, like it's like 
the pocket mama. You know, it's oh just my like gosh. you just she is. She's she's four that, foot eight. Yeah, like she's, she's like a lilliput. Yeah, she she is very small. <laughs> she is very small. Um, <laughs> I love that we're having this conversation right now. So it makes me so happy. So much but, tension is just flowing out just because of your mama. <laughs> but no, she it just it just delighted me to Ooh. find out that uh, Jessica Chastain is uh, sure. you know at least at least to my mama was like <laughs> was Jessica just a, Chastain was in Mama. Right, and it happened to right, me, right. your mama. Yeah, and she met my mama, but Please, uh, she was really. This sweet. is only number nine. Okay, we gotta get we gotta get moving. But uh, yeah, so I mean, anyway. I don't care. <laughs> but anyway, so yes, Mama by Andy Muschietti. <coughs> I don't know if we're saying his name right, but you know, yeah. whatever. Nah, um, apologies. It's not it's not that flippant. But um, okay, so number eight is a film that I love and have been trying to leverage covering on the show for a, for a while. Um, we will eventually get to it at some point. I just swat I hope. it down every time. It's like you do. You're like from I don't the want... Black Lagoon. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> like no, 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 f this, f this. F this. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's how I feel these days. <laughs> ah, f this. <laughs> Swipe right. So, um, uh, so yeah. So, Warm Bodies is mm. number eight, directed by Jonathan Levine. Warm Bodies is a film that I love. Now, I should I should clarify that. There were some specific things about it that really connected with me, a lot of them thematic. I do think it has a good script and strong performances. It's a zombie film with a bit of a a, a, a twist to it. Um, and I can get it's not a huge spoiler because it happens like in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Basically, the primary zombie um, begins by eating the brain of the female lead's boyfriend, he begins through a process that the film kind of, you know, tap dances around and, and loosely explains. He begins to come back to life out of affection for her. Um, it's a film that is funny. It is charming. Um, it is not terribly frightening, but it is very, very good. And I highly recommend it. But I, again, I should note that some of what I love about it connected with me on thematic and, you know, subject levels uh, but no i thought it was a really really good one and this one you have not yet seen right because we've talked about uh, it many times but i don't no. think you've ever seen it no i'm just <laughs> no nah, bro it's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> you just every single time i'm like what about warm bodies you're like no nah. no nah. I, don't, I don't even get bodies out i'm just like what about warm no 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 guy no guy do you mind it um all right number seven directed by denis villeneuve it's prisoners i love this movie I would actually really enjoy film. talking about it. Admittedly, I've only seen it once, but I was very, I love this cast. Uh, we'll get to one of its, the, the members of this cast next week. Um, it's just a very effective little thriller with a, to my recollection, moralistic kind of angle that I really enjoyed. It's, it's incredible. I, I love prisoners. I, um, we have not covered it on the show, Right. I want. I want. I want to cover it at some point. Would love to. Um, I, I I'm ready was, now. Okay. Let's, I anticipated let's, that. Let's. Yep. Okay. I'm and here we go. Um, <laughs> listeners who want to hear some of my thoughts can go over to more than one lesson. Oh, parent show. To you. Well, yeah, because we covered it there. <sighs> but um, it owes a lot to the vanishing. Um, you know, there's a lot of it, it, there's a lot of thematic elements and even narrative like elements. Yeah, I think there was a lot of intention. Uh, in, in fact, without spoiling it 
in this list and in this moment, um, a lot about the final 20 minutes is very sort of, you know, vanishing reminiscent. So, uh, yeah, I would love to cover it at some point. I, th- I think it's a fantastic film. I would love to revisit it. It's heavy. It's oh, not yeah. a relaxing film, but I mean, powerful performances. Prisoners. <laughs> right. Powerful performances, some incredible things to say. It's a film that I really uh, love a lot. I think I think it's a wonderful film. So yeah, number seven, Prisoners, directed by Denis, Vill- Denis Villeneuve. Um, number six, a pretty high contender in the early phases of this list, dropped a little down as more votes began to pour in, but directed by Mark Forster and co-written by our beloved Damon Lindelof, who we've spent a lot of time with this year. It is World War Z. Um, this is a film that I know you've seen. Uh-huh. I am surprised, and I think some of it might be the Lindelof connection, but I'm surprised when I read about fan reactions to this film because I can't quite gauge a lot of how people specifically feel about it. I really enjoy it. I like World War Z. It's not my favorite zombie movie. I don't even know if it would make a top 10 of personal you know, zombie films that I really enjoy. But I, I liked it. I actively enjoyed it. I thought it was it was fun, and I found the ending to be pretty moving, and and so I liked a lot about it. You've seen it. What do you, what do you generally think about it? Um, I have seen it. I don't. I I remember the ending being um intriguing, but I don't exactly recall what happens. Other mm. than it's kind of tonally a strong shift from the main bulk of the the film. That is true. Um, yes. To be fair. I know you probably name dropped him because of our fandom, but Lindelof is but one. I mean, this film underwent a tremendous amount of retooling and reworking. That is not true. Just, not I should just have said on its co-written. way. I yeah. said written. Uh, I should I have think said co Okay. Um, not just on its way to being made, but even in the literal process of it being made, a lot of adjustment happened. I think it's an interesting film to my recollection. Like you, I wouldn't, you know, kind of throw it at the top of a particular heap, but I would find it worth revisiting just to kind of yeah. reconsider it and, and look back at it. Now, one thing before we move on that I would highly recommend, strongly recommend, is if you're an audiobook uh, enjoyer out there, the audiobook, it was written by Max Brooks, the audiobook of this is fascinating because one of the reasons why it was so difficult to kind of adapt is because it is, the, the book it's itself... Epistles, right? Yeah, it's, it's a collection of stories, and with the audiobook... They gathered up uh, quite the little collection of voices. Uh, F. Murray Abraham, Martin Scorsese. Uh, I, it's been some time since oh, I've listened cool. to it. But yeah, there's so different voices read each of the different stories. And the audiobook is a really fun experience. So regardless of your feelings about the film, or especially if you really enjoyed the film, seek out the, the audiobook. Uh, it was written by Max Brooks. It's just called War, World War Z, but the audiobook, each story is narrated by different people. Max Brooks isn't who did Road to Perdition, is he? No, that's Max Allen Collins. Um, mm, mm, mm. Max Brooks had done previously, I believe, he had done the Zombie Survival Guide that a lot of that was kind of popular, uh, where it's just a, kind of a jokey, humorous. Book. Oh, I believe, mm-hmm. I, I believe that Max Brooks is Mel Brooks's son. I am not one hundred percent certain about that. Now but he I was he attached to that. He was featured in that eighties computer generated character TV show, right? That was, I think, Max Headroom. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not entirely. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 I'm so glad that just happened. I watched 
your brain do it. It was so beautiful. I could watch it happen. It's like I said it and you knew it and you're like, I'm going to take the bait. This is why I love Lacky Listicle. <laughs> yes. For it. It's glorious. For it. Uh, number five on the list is Evil Dead, not to be confused with the Evil Dead. Is there is the original yes. called the Evil no, Dead? The okay. original is the. It's the. Right. This one's just okay. Evil Dead. This one's called just Evil Dead. We drop the the. Uh, it is directed by what I'm going to take a leap off a cliff here, Fede <laughs> Alvarez. Um, it is the remake, obviously. Uh, the original, <laughs> me editorializing reads notes here. Um, the original was covered, uh, Fog episode 107, as well as heavily referenced during our Ash versus Evil Dead run that culminated in episode 145. I have not seen this at all. It is. So. You've seen Ash versus Evil Dead. Well, actually, you, you've seen yes. the entire franchise. This Definitely. one would be well, you've seen the fr- the films and the series, so you've seen right. every you know cinematic offering that Evil Dead has to to give you, except for this. This would be <laughs> a, an alarming departure. Um, it is, I, I think it's I think it's pretty great, but it goes for the jugular. Like it is, it is very scary. Um, incredibly gory literally the climax is like a blood bath like raining blood down and it's just it it, it is is it it's a, is it cheeky or it's pretty straight it is mostly straight if my memory serves it is mostly straight it absolutely does not have the blend of humor and horror that the original right. sam raimi stuff has um so it's definitely much more straightforward to that although I would need to rewatch it again to see if it was completely devoid of humor. I just remember it it tries to go much more for the throat in terms of its scares and its sort of graphic uh, gore and violence, as hmm. it were. Um, but I do remember do, considering this it a quite strong. qualified like from you, or you're like, no, I like it. No, I like it. Although the only sort of asterisk on it would be that I would need to revisit it to pick apart specific you know elements of it i just remember watching it and being like that was cool that was that was good um and, and campbell so, yeah. has a cameo is that right <laughs> he has a post credit scene cameo so oh. yeah so not in it at all but uh, a post credit scene cameo a post credit scene one word cameo to be specific mm. so if you're going to let it, me guess groovy that's exactly right yeah <laughs> so <laughs> Listeners have no Goodness context. Gracious. The they obnoxious no, level has just been <laughs> they have no context for this. Through the roof. Lord have mercy. All, All right, right. So number four, read. Number four, directed by Jonathan Glazer. Um, it is our featured coverage for today. So we'll be expanding our thoughts on it in, uh, in just a few moments. But it is Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson. Uh, we will be getting to all of our thoughts on that film momentarily. So that is your number four. Uh, number three is uh, Fog episode 89, The Purge, starring John Brown himself, Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. uh, directed by James DeMonaco. Indeed. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I liked it. I really enjoyed our conversation about it. Listeners, if you have not checked that out, episode 89 is 
uh, I think a highlight of of the show that we've been doing now for four plus years. So uh, yeah, uh, please go back and check out all of our thoughts on The Purge. And that, by the way, is why we're covering Under the Skin is because the next two up or, you know, the next three above it, we have, yeah, yeah, we have already covered. Um, So number two on your list, directed by uh, a beloved director in the Fear of God canon, Mike Flanagan, although this is arguably his bleakest cinematic offering. It was Fog episode 87, just before The Purge, actually, and it is Oculus. Um, So that was your number two. Uh, You can go and hear all of our thoughts on Oculus, directed by Mike Flanagan, and it was your number two for 2013. Bring us home, Nathan. The number one listener-voted top ten horror film of 2013 is a legitimately scary flick. Uh, and it is oh. featured way back on Fear of God episode number three. That's and it crazy. is the one and only <gasps> The Conjuring, directed wow. by James Wan. Great flick. Mm, that's a wonderful film. You know that feeling when you've done this horror thing for a while? <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> the swagger, you know, that yeah. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Ian Nelson's gonna love this episode. Um, <laughs> and you're like, you know, what? The Conjuring, I could probably, I haven't done this, but this feeling where you're like, the Conjuring, I'd love to show that to somebody, but then you have to remind yourself, no, this movie is scary as hell, you know, like, <laughs> right, like, right, you like it for that reason, but it is, in fact. Oh, it's terrifying at what it does. Yes. Oh my God. That's a great. This is a well, great that's flick. the thing is because, you know, I remember it, we had pointed out in our discussion that it was, um, it was rated R and I actually saw someone not in the fear of God Facebook group, but you know, they should come and join us, uh, who had asked, uh, some on social media said, Hey, I'm, I want to show my teens, my young teens, uh, a horror film. Uh, you know, is the conjuring. Okay. I see that it's rated R and a bunch of people commented on there said like, well, you know, explicit content-wise, you're fine. There's actually not a lot there, but mm. it is scary. Like, it is rated R because of how scary it is. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that is that is accurate. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. All right, so, listeners, that was your list of 2013 favorite horror films. Nathan, before we move Reed. on from this, I'm going to ask you to pull up the yes. top-grossing box office numbers for 2013. It's been a while since we've done this, so I'm very curious to see it how has. this is going to uh, shake up. Well, typically I just do the top five, but this is a this is an interesting list, and I'm just enjoying right. the rhythm we're in here. So okay. we're going to glance sure. real quick at the top ten. Number ten, uh, top box office grocers worldwide of 2013. I won't talk numbers until we get to the top three or so. Number ten was Thor: The Dark World. Oh, old, okay. Oh, Marvel meow, making meow their mark. Yeah. Meow, meow. Yep. Number nine, which came in uh, 20 mil higher than Thor The Dark World, is the much beloved in Fog Cannon, Man of Steel by Mr. Zack Snyder. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's that so was bad. What? No. Huh? Less said about that, the better. No, don't yep. do that. <laughs> don't, do it. don't do it. Man of Steel. This, the S means hope, though you will not find it anywhere in this film. Uh, number eight. Uh, is the Sandra Bullock, uh, 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 George Clooney starring Gravity. I love Gravity. There's a heck of a story I could tell associated with that <laughs> movie-going experience. Better left off pod. Number seven 
is the unnecessary Pixar prequel Monsters University. Number but six is, eh, is uh, Fast and Furious 6. I have not, I've literally not seen a single Fast and Furious movie. Uh, I mean, I've but seen I, one or two of them, but. I kind of like, this is the burden of being me, <laughs> is I kind of want the just like, ah, F it kind of energy to sometimes sure. just be like, you know what? I'm just going to watch all the Fast and Furious. <laughs> just like, actually, them up on Saturday. I think that sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I bet these are fun. I bet they're fun. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Uh, it's like cars and speed and fast people and sexy people. And, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, go get sure. it. Sure. Tokyo Drift. Uh, <laughs> number five. Okay. Now we're in the top five. All right. Number five. Reed, I volunteer you as tribute because it is the Hunger Games catching oh. fire. I'm not oh, sure. Catching fire. That's that, a good whoa. one. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I, so here's the you thing. You responded favorably to that. Is that the second well, no, one? Here, that's the second one. And for me, like... I could take or leave the Hunger Games series. I actively do not care for the books. I could take or leave the Hunger Games films. Hunger Games Catching Fire is a great movie. It is hmm. It is in all sort of objective senses. That is a great film. It's structured well, scripted well, performed well. It's a great film. The Hunger Games, I, to this day, I haven't seen the fourth film because, you know, they split the yeah, last right, book right, into right. two films. Yeah. The Hunger Games taught me what it must be like to be a woman watching action movies for 50 years, which is... Hmm. Peta, I'm like, bro. Oh my gosh, you are <laughs> bro. the definition of dude in distress. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry for all the women who've had to watch their portrayals over the years. Um, Hunger Games: Catching Fire made 865 million dollars uh, worldwide. Number four is the 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 cracks are showing, PJ, and it is The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smaug. Smaug, which sure. made 958 million dollars. All of whom regretted that purchase <laughs> that choice um <laughs> wow. oh what a mess uh number three on the list this is insane there is one non-sequel on this list of the top five uh and even it, you, it will, you'll understand the even mm -hmm. it asterisk mm -hmm. in a second number three on the list is despicable me too eh, 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 <laughs> fine, <laughs> whatever 970 million number two on the list hmm uh, is the Shane Black written and directed Iron Man 3. Ooh. Which made 1.2 billion with a B. Good flick. I, I little, really enjoy Iron Man 3. A little more violent than I remembered when I showed it to my kids mm. the first time. I was like, oh, oh, oh not loving this. Um, yeah. But I do love Trevor Slattery. Uh, shout outs, Mandarin. Number one on the 2013 Worldwide Box Office read. Do you have any clue what it is? No, I don't it do use. is. Um, well, I'm trying to think of a let it go joke, but really it's just frozen. Uh, oh, which, I see. Uh, okay. Iron yeah, Man 3 made one point. Yes. Iron Man 3 made 1.21 billion. Frozen made 1.28 billion. Wow. So 70 oh. million more than old Tony Stark and crew. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's the 2013 Worldwide Box yeah. Office. Yeah. Uh, before we completely leave the subject of 2020, 2020 and get into a deeper dive on Under the Skin, I do want to make a couple observations that this list, this top 10 list, which I should have done as you were pulling up the box office, but I see there are 
three zombie films by my count, Warm Bodies, World War Z, and Evil Dead. Um, and then there's also a couple of more sort of artsy films. Uh, Prisoners is a little bit more of just a direct thriller. Uh, Under the Skin, as we'll get into, is definitely more sort of artistically centered. But there's also a couple of possession films on here. Uh, the Conjuring and loosely, I would also consider Oculus and Mama to be kind of possession adjacent. Um, Your mama got I'm- possessed! Your mama! Oh, um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Zombies, I wonder... When did when did Walking Dead premiere? Do you remember? I, don't know. I think it's been running for like forty five years. Yeah. Um at least that's okay. how it feels. Um but and yeah, I'm remarkably it debuted in twenty twenty. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, all the seasons. <laughs> um everything got Play Doh into twenty twenty. But no, I'm just curious because like obviously some zombie films, uh I would have to imagine that some of that is correlated to Walking Dead hitting broadcast but i just can't remember off the top of my head when it first aired um mm-hmm. its first season but um i don't know so anyway that was 2013 you ready to to get into no, no? i'm not but either to be honest here. yes huh? i said i'm not either to be honest uh i don't know what to say about this film so well, let's start with some some bits okay uh, i mean to, there's uh, a lot of bits in this movie careful 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 <laughs> Easy, easy. Easy. Look out. (laughs) All them bits. All right. So, Riri, I'm going to start. I'm going to start because this. (laughs) Okay. This this bit made me go, whoa. Um, (laughs) The men lured into the van were not actors. Yep. Right. Now, now clarify, I I don't want to unpack any of the movie yet, but uh, was this your second time viewing it? Did you know this was my second time viewing before the first time? No, before the first time, I did not know that. So I didn't find that out until after that blew my mind. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. That it was Uh, all had hidden cameras installed in the van and only informed the men afterwards that they were in a movie. And in fact, you may have more to say about this. I don't know, but, uh, in fact, so Glazer and presumably, uh, uh, you know, DP were hidden in the back of the van. Yeah. And this became a big point of contention, I say big point of contention, at least what I'm understanding from the notes uh, between him and the studio with the notion of, hey, you know, can't you script something or is it, how long is this going to take? And he's like, no, we really want some natural stuff out of this. And just, right, of I course. don't know, I, once I saw that that was the case, because it just didn't, this movie has a beguiling effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't even thinking about that because you're just thinking WTF the whole time. Right. Of course. Um, of course. But I just loved that I stumbled upon that note. Yeah. What, what One thing got? that's kind of adjacent to that uh, that I actually didn't write down, I just remember it, is that I had read that, I forget where they filmed this, but where they filmed this, Scarlett Johansson, you know, she's walking around on the street and she's driving around and nobody stopped her or accosted her. A, she's typically blonde and she's mm-hmm. in that, you know, dark hair. But also, uh, you know, it was presumed that most people either didn't recognize her or if they recognized her, probably thought she was somebody who just looked a little like Scarlett Johansson. But she was not, uh, if at all, was rarely ever uh, like approached by fans or anything, just walked around sort of freely wherever she was. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, speaking of some verisimilitude, so Adam Pearson, who plays the disfigured man in the mm-hmm. film, 
Um, he lives with that condition. His condition is called neurofibromatosis. Um, mm-hmm. It's a condition that causes accelerated cellular growth on the face. Um, that's what's seen in the film. He, uh, outside of the film and just in his regular life, is a prominent advocate for programs that confront bullying associated with deformities and disabilities. Um, he was... Go ahead. Uh, well, I didn't want to cut off if... I'm, I'm just staring just, at a note about that, and I want you to be able to say it if that's where you're heading. Uh, yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to mention is just that he was cast through an organization called Changing Faces. I don't know if that was your note. Um, it supports people specifically with facial disfigurement. Um, and I had read that it was important to the director, Jonathan Glazer, that they not use makeup to create his appearance uh, and that they wanted to hire someone who actually uh, lives with this condition. Um, and that I, I read that Pearson have had input on the ways in which Johansson's character kind of seduced him and interacted yeah. with him in the van, which I also uh, found impressive. I mean, I never, you, you texted me at a certain point during my watching of it, that that was not makeup work. Mm-hmm. And even then I'm like, no way. So it's just wild. Right. Um, I mean, this film is just crazy. It's uh, it took ten, nearly ten years to be made, and one of the early drafts included a Scottish married couple who were revealed to be aliens in disguise, and Brad Pitt at the time was cast as one of them. Um, and do you have any other real specific notes you want to talk about? It's totally fine. I was going to talk uh, a little bit about the production. Uh, two more. Um, so just, I don't know if this will lead us in different, uh, places, but just, uh, you mentioned the, it took 10 years to make along the way, multiple lead actors were considered Mm -hmm. for the lead role before Johansson was ultimately attached. However, once she was involved, she championed the project and she maintained her commitment to it for more than four years before it finally became a reality and went into production. Um, this is the first time that Scarlett Johansson, uh, you know, popular uh, actor, you know, very prominent blockbuster star. This is the first time in her career that she had appeared nude. And the nude scene was apparently long discussed and very cautiously and carefully considered for Johansson, uh, including coming to terms with why she felt this character would need to be seen this way and what it meant for the character, um, uh, evaluating that with the risks, obviously, associated with what the Internet was going to react to and, and how people might react to it. Um, it said she ultimately determined that the scenes were not gratuitous for the character and that they were necessary for the journey this alien was taking about being in different skin. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was I thought that was interesting um, because a lot of times that's, uh, you know, an oft debated topic, you know, uh, basically nudity in film frequently, particularly in the horror genre, used as exploitation and purely gratuitous, just, uh, you know, an excuse well, to sort of drive uh, it. Equal but, opportunity. Uh, in yeah, this one. in this scene, in this film, that's absolutely Speaking true. Speaking of uh, uh, Mr. Pearson, whom you referenced previously on uh, a talk show, an Australian talk show referenced that his nude scene uh, had him running through a field in Scotland at 3 a.m. and that it was extremely cold. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but that's all I had in terms of trivial bits. So if you wanted to move into just sort well, of general production stuff. So I just, this this is such a compelling film. Let's let's do this. Um, yeah, we'll do that first. Uh, so okay. uh, I went and found an interview with Glazer today. Um, doggone it. And I'm very remiss because I screenshotted the, let me see if I've still got, I really want to give credit and I don't have, I'll try to find it and, and cite it on, 
uh, the show notes when we release this, just because I believe in crediting things. Uh, but I went and found an interview with Glazer around the time of the release and um, just found some of this really interesting. I, I've not seen any of his films, but sexy beast was one of them. Um, so this is based on a book. Um, I'm kind of uh, uh, cohering some information here as I'm re reading it here. So the, the adapt the novel involves uh, like carnivorous aliens. So it's, it is an alien based story, which is why the, the couple thing was in initial iterations of the draft, but he just, he couldn't get on board. The longer he sat with the more he's like, that's not very interesting. Um, I didn't, this is a wild quote. I knew that I absolutely didn't want to film the book, but I still wanted to make the book a film. Um, he said the longest phase in the process saw endless versions of a story assembled and dismantled. It was the job. It wasn't a hobby. Days and nights slipped by. Weeks became months. Memories of normal life dimmed. Three years in, one co-writer made way for another. Eventually, the script revolved around a pair of aliens. This is the Brad Pitt note. There was still never a workable budget. Glazer wasn't ready. I said I wasn't giving up many times. I don't think I ever meant it. Others around him suggested he should. Um, then came the Eureka moment. What Glazer wanted, he realized, was to make a film representing, as purely as possible, an alien view of our world. Mm. Everything clicked. We took years to get there, and suddenly it was obvious. Pitt moved on. Work focused on the female character alone. Um, they took their 100-page script and deleted the 60 in which she played no part. Uh, elaborate wow. special effects sequences were tossed. Um, Glazer ex- obsessed over how the world might really look to new eyes. I like having it in my head, finding the logic, the images. It's like learning an alphabet, then a language, then writing in it, then trying to write poetry in it. (laughs) This is why I don't like interviews. I sound batty. Hmm. Uh, Then one more note here about ScarJo. Um, Glazer still needed a movie star and one who was very game. If under the skin belongs to him, it also belongs to Johansson. Her bee-stung femininity gives the film a lushness among the cold surfaces. Besides learning to drive a van and mastering an English accent, she also had to cope with his second epiphany. For life to feel real, he decided, they needed real life. Extras shouldn't just be non-professional actors, but people who didn't even know they were being filmed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just... I don't know, ultimately, that this is a film I'll return to much, but it is sure. enormously compelling. Um, yeah. I wanted to get the juices flowing, Riri. Sure. Of so, um, get under the skin, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in super brief summary, cause I've got a question that's rooted in the text of the film. Uh, so in super brief summary, uh, ScarJo plays a, a nameless, rather identityless character, mm-hmm. um, who actually is, I found this cool today when i discovered it she's actually credited just as the female um Mm -hmm. and it's pretty clear from go that i i would not have said it was clear she was literally extraterrestrial and i don't even know if the movie utterly settles on that but it's clear she's non-human of some kind and so so that that much you're kind of nominally aware of um or at least you know subconsciously well not until maybe the 30, 40 minute mark when that, 
when the upside down first presents itself. Sure, right, of course. Does, yeah. Do, yeah. Are you really just like OMG? What WT, is that? WTF? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mama, mama, <where> you at? <laughs> mama, out, mama, mama. <laughs> um, so she lures these men uh, back to this what I call the upside down because just visually, if you're not going to watch the film, it looks a lot like Eleven's mindscape in season one of Stranger Things. Um, but these gentlemen who ostensibly have been seduced towards physical intimacy are naked as yes. jaybirds in this upside down scene and just wander towards her and then get submerged in this non discernible goo or whatever. So, so oh read the question I was left with, and I don't even know how to articulate it is at what point would you start screaming? When do you wake <laughs> up? What in the world? These fellas, they are just trudging. Nope. Further and closer, like how cold is that little realm? Because you know, cold <laughs> is not kind to the male body. You know, it is. I mean, I'm sure the females would echo the same, but legitimately, like when, when would you wake up? Would you wake up? Well, and I think so. I mean, I think the only window that we get to through the film that we get to the actual answer of that question is with the second victim we see go into it, where in one of the film's most horrific and haunting scenes, so the first time through, we just see the man strip down, sink kind of downstairs into this this black goo as ScarJo kind of walks backward, again, seductively leading him into it. Well, then the second time that we see that happen is actually like two victims later. And when we see it, this this new guy who she met in a club sinks down into it, but then we see what the experience is down in uh-huh. it. And it's insane. I, it's it's absolutely wild. And I think it's all I, I was to your question, like when would you scream? It looked to me like that guy was still kind of looking around trying to register what is happening? What is this guy? What am I? Why am I here? Where am I? And then it is the other guy that's mm-hmm. in this black glo- th- that's in this black gloop. He's like he he they they intentionally made him look like he was kind of like saturated, you know, his skin is kind of soggy mm-hmm. and and floating a bit and he appears to be screaming. I don't know if that just means Sure. You know that that his face is sort of like distorted, distorted. because yeah. of the uh, you know because of the the waterlogged nature of where he is, but he appears to be screaming. He appears to be screaming, and then the other guy kind of reaches out for his hand, but nothing nothing really comes of that until until like, like suddenly he just yeah like it's like a little like like a gloop pop, pop. like he just sort of like it's like somebody sucked him out of his own skin through a straw like it's Ugh. just it's just Ugh. literally just yeah yeah well, you know what's so what's so fascinating is like i was trying to um i've got a really good one for next week by the way um i was trying to think of like what is a good conversation starter because interestingly i don't have through the watching of the film i didn't immediately because the film is just so just nuts yeah <laughs> it's banana nut bread it really is and there's <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so no <laughs> wow what's what's wild is i couldn't in the moment think of thematic stuff because i was just so 
just just drowning in the upside down mm-hmm. and i was like okay well okay what's a good question when would you wake up and and i do think there's some interesting ideas that that get fed out of this question of of allure and temptation and you know self-control and discipline because brother i was watching them dudes and being like no mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm, what are mm-hmm. you doing turn around get out of there you're butt naked you're, yeah. you're drowning in the mm-hmm. goop like yeah, yeah, she ain't worth it. Ain't worth it. Mm. <laughs> Good lord, there's Nathan. a great, there's a great old Chris Rock stand up when he's talking about getting an AIDS test, and he's like, "You, you start thinking of all the terrible things you've done in your life." <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, it's rough. I won't finish that joke. But oh, point lord. being, point being, like. What a weird thing film can do sometimes. A note I forgot to throw at you. Did you see the premiere was met with booze? Like No, I didn't. Really? It. Yes. Yes. Why did they and boo like, it? What a I mean, it's a weird ass movie, Riri. It's I mean, weird, but like, come yeah. on. Like booze? I come on. I don't know. That that guy goes. <laughs> I mean like, he does. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I mean it's <laughs> like, look. Right. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Mama, I no. mean it's like um, <laughs> Mama, no. But Point being, it it creates because I didn't know anything other than uh, Scarjo ethereal something or other. I, I just really didn't know what I was watching, what I was getting yeah. into, and there's such a weird, visceral reaction when this these guys enter this other realm that you are. This is the fascinating thing of cinema, is what I was trying to say a minute ago. Is like you are mentally and even, you know, physically responding right, to what right. is happening to them. Like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is not okay. Mm-hmm. This is, God, mm-hmm. turn around, fella. But they just mm-hmm. don't. No. Anyway, so that was less, I guess, a question ultimately than more just uh, getting the, just yeah, turn around. Just get, yeah, just get, just, yeah, right, 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 right. It ain't worth it. Why do you, uh, honest, why what? do you think they booed and the reason i'm asking hmm. is because there is a so the tide turns in the second half of the film and particularly it ends on something that is very upsetting for a number for a number of reasons yeah. um but i'm i'm curious why they would boo because it is uncomfortable to watch and it is it is disturbing but it is so artistic yeah. And what and 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 that's not to say that you know art gets an automatic pass, but it is clearly very well, it's deliberate. Thoughtful. And it's yes, yes. And thoughtful is a good is a good description as well. Like it it is not uh flippant about what it is showing you. And so I just I just now, find I've, it I mean, interesting. I, no, I think that's a fair question. I've never been in a um you know, film festival setting of that of that, you know, caliber right. and I don't know. I think there's mass mentality that can happen. Um, you know, that kind of herd mindset where if you're, cause this is a movie like every now and then I'm thinking of something like a ghost story. If you aren't clicking, if you're, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it because yeah, and especially yeah. a movie like this, that, you know, this is a very, uh, uh, despite its extraterrestrial, perhaps source material, 
it's a very earthy film. And what I mean by that, it is, it's naked bodies and mm-hmm. not like, not like glamorously shown naked bodies. And right. so, right, 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 right. Because of that, that's going to provoke response now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't know if you and your spouse are like this, but the amount of work it would take to get me to not even comfort level, like, you know, like the, the, what's shown literally on screen isn't necessarily the issue to get my spouse on board to watch a movie like this, but the amount of work it would take to say, okay, <laughs> this is going to be really weird. Uh, oh, right. Right. I don't right, know how course. you're going to respond yeah. to it. It's more mm-hmm. an exercise than it is a sort of, well, I just want to unplug and watch. Movie. Right. Well, and it's, and that's the thing is it's the kind of film that you want. Well, for me, it's the kind of film that you want people to see so that you can help, like you can get some assistance in processing right. what you think about right. it and how you right. feel about it. Um, and it's not the type of film that you'd be like, Hey, you know, I got really, you know, uh, this is a fun time at the movies. I got really excited watching this. Like, it's just not. It's an uncomfortable viewing experience. Yes. It's challenging views- viewing experience. And what um, I was, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what, in response to your question, why the booze, as I'm just sort of processing out loud, like what I was trying to walk the path of and talking about the, the raw naked nature of the film is we're used to nudity deployed as titillation. Right, right. So there's this weird psychological thing that happens. It's Scarlett Johansson. It's one of the most attractive mm-hmm. movie stars in the world. And, and oh, she's she's nude in this one. And, and I'm not saying that's how I'm going into the film. But all those things are subconscious and playing in your mind. And so when you're in, I imagine, a screening and you don't know what you're really going to get into. And then this thing starts playing out and you're... The movie toys with you. The movie yeah. does to the viewer what her character does to these dudes. Mm, and mm. so I could see where you might get pissed that because because what they are too enthrall to do in the film, we at least have some measure of like, whoa, oh, oh, my gosh. You know, like, right. Of course. Yeah. yeah all yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say is I that impulse never crossed my mind to like be repulsed by the film, but it, but it does. I think with great intention, press the buttons. It's a, it's a film about an alien trying to, or some, and I don't even mean extraterrestrial alien explicitly. It's a film about a creature, not human. Yes. Right. Using human methods of attraction and seduction mm-hmm. to, do whatever the hell it is it does to these people. Right. But of course. But, right. So, so anyway, all I'm trying to say is what I think the female does to these dudes, the film itself provokes in the watching of kind of does. I think that's a really fascinating sort of exercise. No, I, I, I agree. And you know, I had mentioned, cause I really feel felt this time watching it, that it is, it is really two films in the same context and in the same runtime mm-hmm. the the there is a such a definitive split after she gets with adam pearson mm-hmm. um and and so the first half of it she is 
almost pure predator. You see her yes. driving around. You see her confronting people. Uh, clearly losing. Ensuring they're unattached. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you're meeting a friend. Oh, okay. So you have family, and then she drives off. But then for the rest of them, if they're unattached and if they are, you know, willing to get into her van, she lures them there, lures them back, draws them into that goop. Boy, bye. <laughs> Boy, bye. And then um, after she meets Adam Pearson, again, uh, a, a kind and soft-spoken man who was simply going to the supermarket, and then you can see so much in his expression when she says, like, why don't you, you know, why why do you live alone? Or why don't you like going to the supermarket? And he says, people wind me up, you know. And she's not. Here's, here's what's impressive about that scene, and then I'll talk about the second half of the movie. She's asking questions that I think deliberately, like, would seem so obvious to so right. many other people. You know, like, she's asking, you know, have you ever had a girlfriend? You know, have you not had a girlfriend? And then you can see the frustration that he's displaying and like, what are you? What are you doing? You know, right. he doesn't verbalize any of that. You know, but he's very some, <laughs> right. But it is very much like this whole like he he's clearly sitting there saying like, okay, are you are are you making fun of me? Are right, you right. is is this some elaborate prank? Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I would imagine, and he does such a brilliant job of communicating this so subtly and without any vocal intonations, just with small tilts of his head and the way he carries his body. Um, he's communicating like, okay, clearly I am an individual whom life has forced into solitude and mm-hmm. life has forced into a lonely and uncomfortable existence because people don't understand. And he even says, he said, people wind me up because they're ignorant. They don't, you know, they don't get it. They don't, they don't understand what it's like and that I'm a human being and that I deserve respect and dignity and all of these things that, you know, so they, they wind me up in this, in this way. And then there's one moment that just, oh, just, just wrecks me is she begins the seduction. She's like, how mm-hmm. long has it been since you touched somebody? You know, you want to touch my neck, you want to touch my face. And and he does, and it, it's very, it's almost gentle, the whole thing mm-hmm. about it. You know, it's it's not lurid. It is, dis, it, it's, it's uncomfortable for us to watch and perhaps a bit disturbing because we know what she does. Right. And we have, you know, most viewers, I would imagine, I know I did, have immediate sympathy for this character. And then we know why, She's communicating with him and why she's drawing him in. And so then when she says, would you like to come with me to my place 30 minutes away? There's a small little moment where the camera tilts down and you see his hands pinching himself. Yeah. And I thought, dear God, it's just like, like, again, it, it wrecks me because I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, this guy that tells you that small little touch tells you everything you need to know about what is at stake for this character. And then something that the film does not unpack for us happens to her in the process of trying to do to him what she's done to so many other individuals. There is something different about him mm-hmm. that 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 re- it unlocks something. Remind me, does he sink? He doesn't sink at all. What happens? But he is, is in the upside down. Yeah, and and yeah. so 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 they they disrobe as she's done with all the previous men before. Mm-hmm. They are walking backwards, right? And she's talking. Well, she's with going, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's walking backwards. He's following her, and the, and she's talking to him. She's just dreaming, just dreaming. So you can already kind of imply that she's trying to make this a less horrific mm-hmm. or frightening experience for him. 
But then she goes downstairs clothed. So the film does not show us. Did he go into the black goop or not? Uh, She goes downstairs clothed, obsesses for a moment with her own visage in the mirror and then like gets gets uh, a, a vision of like or like an image of a fly that's trying to get out of the door. Mm-hmm. Something in her mind clicks. A lot of the film, if, if listeners haven't seen this film, a lot of the film is communicated visually. There's not a lot of dialogue. And even some of the dialogue that is there is not really uh, plot driving dialogue. It's just sort of and conversation. To your point, you say communicated visually. I know what you mean, but it's performance. Scarlett Johansson delivers a hell of a performance in this. No, unquestionably. Yep, absolutely. Um, So something about her seeing herself in the mirror, seeing the fly, all of that. Then the next shot that we have is her bringing him out of the of the flat where she is. And and so she brings him out and ostensibly like releases him. And that's that scene you referenced earlier where he goes walking through the field without his clothes because he doesn't have anything. Um, So she releases him. And from that moment on, she is clearly trying to understand her place in her skin. This this skin, this facade that she's wearing, this um, you know, this kind of I don't know what you would call it because she doesn't call it anything. Um, but from that moment on, she's obs- that's why the nude scene that we keep referencing, although she is nude uh, a couple of other brief, you know, more distant times in the film. Um, the one sort of when people talk about like the nude scene, it's the scene where she is standing completely naked, you know, full frontal uh, in, in front of a mirror examining like she's looking at herself. She's turning her body certain ways and examining like, oh, this and, and it looks like again, no dialogue in it, but it looks like she's like, oh, this is what my shoulder does. And this is what right, it looks like right. when I turn my shoulder this way. And she flexes her feet into the carpet and she's she appears fascinated by this facade that she's wearing and and um, I skipped over something that might be important for that context before that she is sort of wandering and appears very lost almost confused she makes it to a bus stop and just sort of sits down at the bus stop because somebody's like hey the bus is coming and so she well, sits down almost like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do at a bus stop. Right. I'm supposed to just wait. Um, and then just I'll mention this. And then if you had any other thoughts before she gets to that scene where she's like examining herself, um, a man on the bus. Uh, and, and it's it's difficult to ascertain at first, like, is he fully benevolent right. here right. or is, you know, or is he got some malintention here? But um, he expresses, you know, do you need some help? Do you need something? Even the bus driver is like, man, leave her alone. Like she doesn't she doesn't want any help from you. But she does. Uh, sort of allow him to lead her back to his place. And at least in the moments that we see, he cooks her dinner, he buys her groceries, cooks her dinner, and then allows her to have the room on her own. He goes to his own bedroom, at least for that moment. Um, and uh, that's what leads up to her sort of examining herself in the mirror. Anyway, I just wanted to provide some Well, all I was going to say is that um, that second half of the film basically is she is subverting whatever programming she has. Like yes. it is clear to us. And to your point is this two separate films. And it's interesting. My impulse was, I was so captivated by her character's predatory nature and tendencies and right. how that was, you know, uh, visualized in the film that I sure. actually had a moment of like, oh, I'm not sure I like this part when it diverts so heavily into that, second film if you will sure um, right. but it's and again i i don't know 
if or when I would ever rewatch this, not because it's, you know, a bad film whatsoever, but because it is, it's an exercise. It's, it's, it, it takes by exercise is a perfect word for this movie because it, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that because I even struggle two viewings in, which admittedly is not a mountain. I haven't studied the film, but two viewings in, I still struggle to try to figure out what is the film saying and what is, I can tell what it's interested in. I can't quite tell what it's trying to say. And there's so much about it that like even getting, it is pure fascination and it's compelling artistic design that would make me want to revisit the film because I'm not even walking away with this feeling of like, oh, I just love all the things that this film has to say. No, I'm just kind of to a degree haunted by some of what I've seen. And in the same way that you would turn around and look at a traffic accident because you're you're kind of not sure how to process what you've just seen, that is in many ways kind of what I what my experience was of Under the Skin, even the second time around. Um, okay. Do you want, uh, because now I'm getting kind of energized and I literally have nothing written down for theme, but this whole thing okay, is sure. spurring me that way. Do you want to just hit, hit and run some, some notes real quick? Because I do think we there's can. some legitimate yeah. stuff and then just totally jump in. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I love the general framing, even though you're given so little to hook in on literally, as in you're not given much exposition. It's clearly this somewhat malevolent character in her, excuse me, in her, though, even to assign malevolence feels too strong for what she displays, just the actions. She's clearly harvesting for some purpose that we just never know. And it just, the movie isn't interested in sharing that with us, but she has a handler. Uh, this motorcyclist, motorcyclist that shows right. up throughout the film. That's, you know, just a really cool executed ideas at work in this film. Um, but what I did want to note, uh, so that's kind of the framing is there's this handler mm-hmm. who occasionally shows up to clean up, to either clean up her messes or, you know, but the second half of the film is clearly hunting for her because she's kind of gone off the grid. Um, but it's a really lovely shot film. I'm jumping into scares. So unless you have something real specific you want to address. All my notes are scares. Okay. I didn't, Dude, I didn't like. The yeah. scene on the beach is one of the most stressful and Dreadful. stressfully architected sequences in just about anything. For a yeah. movie that has some of the most weirdo visual horrific stylings of a film we've watched in a while, that scene which is not, uh, there's no viscera, there's no blood, guts, horror to it, but is so dreadful. Mm-hmm. It, it was almost unbearable. I was like, this is so stressful. Well, because it keeps ratcheting up. Yes. First off, you see, okay, this woman is swimming out into not a, a tide. A, 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 right, exactly. Not right, Scarjo. Right, right. A, 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 and, and, a woman that we never see close up, but she is swimming out into the ocean and the tide is pu- because the tide is pulling her dog away from her. So that's one thing. Then you capture that. Oh, her husband is going out after her. Well, that's that's pretty dreadful because I don't think he's going to make it. Then the experienced swimmer 
that ScarJo was trying to lure yeah. in, that he goes after the man. And you're wondering, like, okay, well, is this going to happen? Is it not? Whatever. And then he draws the man back, but the man goes back out into it because he's mm-hmm. still trying to rescue his, you know, presumably his wife. He's still going out into it, and the swimmer is exhausted. So you know, oh, they are they are doomed. That husband and wife are are done for. And then that is the moment you hear the freaking baby on the beach that is wailing because it has now been left alone, completely unattended. And then ScarJo comes up, selects a rock, bludgeons the would-be swimmer. hero, yeah, the swimmer, and then begins to drag him away, leaving the wailing baby. It is, I mean, you talk well, about dreadful. And then it's Good bookended Lord. by the motorcyclist who's tracking her at night now. And this yes. little baby yes. is still sitting on the beach. It is wailing still. It is awful. Oh, it is terrible. It's terrible. So awful. Um, the only other real deliberate sort of scare is just the pop. I mean, but that is, I don't, well, that's I don't know pretty what else gruesome. you got. The other thing that, and it would be, it might be worth mentioning this to, as a tie on bow. And then we go into the more substantive things that you'd have, because this second viewing, I remembered minimal. I remembered the sort of the, the, the gloopy thing. I, I remembered some the of that. The upside down? Is that what you mean? The upside down part. But the they don't call it that. We're using right, the Stranger right. Things shorthand. But, um, but one moment that stuck with me horribly, um, even more so than the assault and attempted molestation that she experiences at the hands of that you know, just terrible. I, I don't know what he is a park ranger. I don't. I don't yeah, know what yeah. he is. You know, but that's that is just so uncomfortable. And 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 I can understand if that generated the booze. Yeah, I get it because that that's an awful scene. But what stuck with me, and 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 it stuck with me through all of these years later. I saw it proximal to its release, and then saw it now. You know, almost a decade later was when her skin mm-hmm. begins to come off and she be- and she reveals this sort of dark shapeless form underneath that skin but that wasn't even just the only thing is when he realizes when that that park ranger guy when he realizes what is happening he douses her with gasoline and the reaction that she has to that she doesn't scream she doesn't attack she just, when he douses her with gasoline, she just quickly stands up and tries to run away. And the subtle quietness of that freaks me out. Like, that was her reaction, knowing she's in danger, but perhaps not registering exactly what is about to happen. When he douses her with gasoline, before he sets her ablaze, which he eventually does, she just stands up and, like, rushes forward to try to get away. And that turned my stomach like in in a in the a sense of like this is mm-hmm. this is scary and it is disturbing and uncomfortable and haunting like it, you know what it reminded me of weirdly is it reminded me of the reaction you see sometimes when like a, a an insect or specifically like a spider has registered your presence and has mm-hmm. registered that it is under threat and o- right. obviously the spider cannot make audible screams or whatever so it just tries to flee and and that's what it registered for me in a very again sort of stomach churning kind of way an effective way it's it's compelling but it's very upsetting and very disturbing um 
it's crazy to me that I literally have nothing for theme that even today I was like, okay, maybe Reed will have something he can follow here. And now I'm just <laughs> kind of like under my skin is bursting and in flames. All right. Here um, we go. So yes, you alluded to this, but the arc of the story is predatory alien figure that again, I, there were actually moments where I was like, is she a robot? I don't know. Is she an oh, alien? Sure. I don't know. Right, you know right, you're right, you're right. really not privy to much. Uh, uh, subverts her programming, finds, you know, has a little a little episode with a, a kind person uh, that ends kind of sourly um, and then has, you know, is fleeing through these Scottish wilderness, uh, has the encounter with this park person that Reed's alluding to who... <laughs> I'd never seen the film. And the minute he showed up, I'm like, ah, the flags, yeah. the flags are raised. I don't know what's going on here, but yeah. something's not cool. Um, who then you, you use the word molestation, which I would say is too kind of word. Uh, he then shows up once more, uh, and attempts to rape her. And, yeah, um, right. and in, in her fleeing, he inadvertently, uh, uh, threshes her, her skin suit that she's wearing this, this mm-hmm, creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, propels him to act in such a way as he does once this is fully revealed what she is. And I think the, uh, I think, I think the theme, if I can encapsulate this, this is coming to me in real time. There's no notes. Um, I don't know where we'll land here, but the theme that is like screaming at me is, is humanity used to destroy. And Mm. so where I'm going with this is like, she is using humanity. She is using humanness. She is using allure, the 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 nature of attraction as embodied in the nude human form to destroy. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. She is she is drawing and this is this is why a movie like this is so captivating to me is because there it matters when it matters what storytellers tell you and it matters what they don't. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is it doesn't matter why she's doing this. We're never given that information. No. Right. And so what that tells me is it isn't a concern that I should be worried about. Mm. So right. then what are right. the concerns? What is, what is the arc? What is happening here? And you've got this creature who has been whether programmed or birthed to destroy, to, to use alluring, humanity to destroy for whatever purpose that we're not privy to who then you and you asked the question 40 minutes ago why the booze the booze are because reed we are really really uncomfortable with our own humanity And as I'm sort of playing out the arc of this movie, again I just watched it two nights ago. I haven't thought a whole lot about it other than it's just been in the subconscious back burner. Um, Pearson, he's the crux point. The movie mm. turns on that encounter. Yeah. With a character in her who has been conditioned, trained, programmed, genetically engineered to whatever it is to pray, to use humanity to pray is suddenly confronted with abnormality. Mm. What we would typically assign abnormality which is really just the essence of humanity which is unvarnished vulnerability Mm. this person who is lowest on the rung 
most easily preyed on by actual people. Right. Who, who certainly she can sense something of what he's experiencing just, you know, emotionally in whatever way she processes these things. So the point I'm simply trying to make and camping out there for a moment is this is where the movie turns. Mm. It is her encounter with him, not some new discovery of herself. It's new discovery of humanness. Oh, wow. Because, because the reason filmmakers, storytellers will use the foreign to examine the, the present is to learn about the present. And by present, I don't mean time and chronology. I mean, present as in presence and materiality. Right, 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 right. You're using this this magnifying glass, which is her character, to talk about. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean at, that this alien figure is experiencing humanness? What does humanness look like in actual world? It's it's commerce. Sure. She's in a mall. It's it's pleasure. It's in she's in a club. It's mm-hmm. it's sex. Mm-hmm. It, she's l- luring them with this, but then it's him. It's broken and and i'm going to use this word and understand the sensitivity it's ugliness it's Mm, it's mm. it's the ugly telling us reflecting back our ugliness meaning when we encounter a thing that looks abnormal to us we react Mm. i mean think about it like you and i are conscientious mostly responsible men adult men right and, and right. understand and know based on cultural norms social norms based on faithful comprehension of how we're supposed to respond in the face of that which is abnormal visually to us as humans right, right you and i understand that but yeah remove our self-control our comprehension of that and what do we do as people we laugh at we scorn we spurn that which is mm. most human mm. it's i'm I'm really uh, this is leaping but it's sure. jesus, it's yeah, jesus yeah. on the cross it's it's mm. it's disfigurement and we don't know how to deal with that so she doesn't either mm. now mm. what happens to her next look at this arc it is it is the foreign the alien literally, but what's worth having a conversation about Reed is the sequence in which this happens. In other words, she experiences both poles of human capacity, which is utter kindness and absolute benevolence. I mean, the gentleman, she, shacks up is the wrong word, but you know, hang hangs with for an undetermined amount of time is the epitome of kindness and generosity and, and and thoughtfulness. I mean, Mm -hmm. they literally, it it becomes this fish out of water romance story for 15 minutes. Right. That's true. Yeah. He literally picks her up and carries her over a puddle, a large Mm -hmm. puddle. Mm -hmm. He cooks for her. He defers to her, when she, you know, as in doesn't force force or foist himself upon her. Uh, ultimately, they they attempt intimacy, f- uh, sexual intimacy. Right. That right. goes sideways. Just that's the first peak. Okay, well, what is going on with this character in her? So all I'm trying to set up is the pendulums here, which is we swing from absolute benevolence in human 
kindness, generosity, compassion. The, the right. arc is vulnerability, kindness and benevolence, violation and destruction. Mm-hmm. Right? That's mm-hmm. so we've got this cool little sci fi weirdo adventure story, which is the right. first half. Right. That's thrilling and wild and WTFing us. Then you've got just we are smack in the face with vulnerability and ugliness slash beauty as ugliness mm. that rocks her into okay, now you're gonna experience the essence of kindness that ends with the essence of destruction and violation. This is why I started this this mental stew as to me, this movie is asking us to think about what happens when we use humanity to destroy, when we use mm. our humanness to violate others. Mm. And I'm not that it, it would be forced to draw real direct parallels, but you and I have joked the top 20 minutes of this about the nature of the world we're living in this second and how, and, and I would say what we are responding to, what we are booing and want to rail against is humanity being used to violate others. Mm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, right. that's why something like this is so compelling to me. Again, all of this is literally coming out as we're talking. I came into this conversation thinking, I have no idea what the theme is. The more you hung out talking about the scene of Pearson and her in the car, I was like, that's it. That is, I mean, how the filmmakers in, forced us to endure the daylight baby screaming on the beach, then Mm, immediately mm. followed by the nighttime baby screaming on the beach isn't because they are sadistic sons of bitches. It is because they want us to feel and to wrestle and to think and to ponder and to marinate and meditate on this is a human. And and, and what does that mean? And, and, and what does it mean that you're feeling the thing you're feeling? And you might boo, Mm-hmm. But you might be like, oh my God, am I, yes. am I the generous, am I the generous kind? Am I the person who, <laughs> because I'll be damn Reed, like I, I in 41 years would never sort of knock on wood, engage in what the park ranger does. But like mm. the minute they encounter each other, you're meant to say there's some trouble here. Right, and, of course, and, yes. And, mm-hmm. and we as adult men carry that burden. And what I mean by that isn't people look at us and wonder if we're going to violate them. What I mean is right, we right. have to be the ones to to exercise self-control, exercise mental – I don't even know exactly what I'm trying to say other than kindness is more – than just carrying someone in need over a puddle. It's also resisting when, when it's there for the taking, which is a lost woman out in the forest that this man can take advantage of. Does that, am I making any sense? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And like what is specifically pinging for me is this, this comparison that's in the undertones of the film. There's this uh, battle to call it a battle is is probably not the right characterization. There is a a tension. disparity and a tension, yes, between the nature of humanity and humanness 
and instinct. So I mentioned earlier about that scene at the end where she's doused with gasoline. You could characterize that even the fir- the whole first half of the film that she is operating instinctually. That and that everything is happening instinctually. Oh, this is the moment. Like I, v- I very much viewed her as a spider in the first hour of the film. Sure. It, it is very much like, oh, prey has wandered into my web. Oh, here we go. Like prey prey is now free for me to to consume. You know, like, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. You you look at the the way the upside down thing works, and maybe that's the same thing. And so then it's like, okay, well, as long as I I remember, I think I've even referenced it on the show before, or maybe just you and I in conversation. I remember I was watching one of those Planet Earth episodes, and there was uh, some like a deer or a gazelle or something running away from some predators, uh, some some cheetahs or some some hyenas or something. And then because it is a young like baby animal. We want it to get away, and when it doesn't, because in that particular Planet Earth episode, the the predators overtake the prey, and the commentator in that episode said, nature is not sentimental. Mm-hmm. And it is this difference that I'm seeing is like suddenly what has happened is she is adopting the persona of humanness. Again, I'm trying to sort of... sure. Take what take what I was thinking about it and sort of blend it with what you've already unpacked here. She's taking the persona of humanness, but she's operating out of instinct. Well, then she encounters this other humanity that isn't pristine. It isn't sure. You know, it it isn't it isn't direct. Uh, you know, again, you and I are are trying to be very intentional about how we discuss Pearson's character because he does suffer from a a facial disfigurement. Um, and so how do you contextualize that in, and converse about that in such a way that does not devalue his absolute equality of humanity, which he deserves and, and needs, regardless of any sort of contributive factor relative to him? Well, now she sees this and there is, there's this sense of pity that has now, maybe, maybe it's pity, maybe it's just recognition. I don't know, but something, connects and suddenly he's not prey anymore Mm -hmm. he's not merely um you know somebody that has been caught in the web so then what she then begins to experience is that she then goes into wait a second so what is what is all this humanness what does it look like what does it feel like how does it how does it play out how does it operate she tries to eat yeah. A bite of chocolate cake, right? And and is repulsed by it. Can't can't do it. She can't she can't operate in the you know in that sense of things. Um, and so anyway, she she continues to navigate this this world that she's in. And at the end, what she encounters in the park ranger is not a predatory, instinctive being. In the persona of humanness, she sees a human being operating out of pure animalistic instinct, no regard whatsoever for humanity, and that that destructive. And I'm talking about the park rangers' sort right. of sort of impulses. Um, any and this is a bit of a bold statement. It, it uh, and as I am prone to do and and process things verbally as I say them. Um, you know, I would even be open to challenging this statement or pushing back. I consider that the nature of violation 
is a rejection of your humanity to a degree that if you are if you yes. are moving forward and going to in any ter- I'm not just talking about sexually speaking I'm I'm not just talking about like the other factors of daily living abusive you know em- emotionally abusive physically abusive it's anything. dehumanizing yes yes dehumanizing exactly that in order to reach a place psychologically where you are now okay with that degree of violation and abuse you are you are actively rejecting the humanity that you see in yes. the other and i can know I that's tweet, a bold can statement. i can i t- it's not, yeah it's, please, it's please. that's not yeah, pretty, that's a pretty safe statement actually um <laughs> i want to tweak something you just said though that is at least what i think is starting to gurgle to the surface here for me in examining this we may call what she does instinct the top half of the film uh instinct programming conditioning whatever right Right. i don't think what he's doing is instinctive whatsoever i think it's quite intentional and this is what i'm getting at which is the wielding of humanness to violate Mm. this is where the film leaves us which is faced with which is saying look at this Um, she experiences compassion Mm. which is foreign to her in her encounter with Pearson. That is what turns her experience of life in whatever form she's understood it previously, completely upside down. It is. She experiences compassion and, and resists her instincts and programming. She acts with intention for -hmm. the first time, maybe ever. And so instinct versus intention may be a worthwhile conversation, but I think, right. I think overall it's, will we use it's, it's in game. Will we use the gift of our life to destroy or to uplift? And, mm. and I think the park ranger to, to me, and this is all I was saying to, to nuance what you're saying. I don't think he's instinctive whatsoever. I think he's quite intentional. He encounters her in the woods. He, with great intention goes back and finds her asleep in that, cabin uh, she flees he with great intention runs after her this is not instinctive behavior it is willful and that's, intentional well no that's in, that that's completely true i actually wouldn't even challenge that i think uh instinct might be you know the wrong word to characterize what he's doing um i, I i'm viewing it more as because it is deliberate couldn't agree more everything that he does is absolutely deliberate he is not mindless about it but there, it, it it is a yielding to the baser impulses of somebody has again yeah. comparing it yeah. to a like a predator mindset. Somebody has wandered into my net, and and is in his view, although he doesn't ask these questions, unattached, alone. Right. I I sure. can proceed. Yes. I think that's a very fair analogy and thread that the movie it it, it folds back. Right. You know, he is now operating the way she did, which is yes, in the beginning, right, mm-hmm. isolating and destroying. So she, who began as not human, and right. ends as human, encounters mm-hmm. ostensibly human, who right. behaves as subhuman. But right. I think correct. I think it's just a really powerful examination, and 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 sort of for a movie that features. The only reason I say this again is because of how much this is jumping out at me now for a movie that features one of the most, uh, uh, lauded physically attractive celebrities in the modern Hollywood system 
nude. This is why I now can comprehend it's, it's using that humanness to ask us to examine our own. It's saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you're titillated by this, that's kind of a problem because this is what yes. we're after. And the conversation yeah. we're trying to have here is intentionality versus instinct. It's, it's humanness as, as bait mm-hmm. and humanness as kindness, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, it's a really fascinating film. It, no, it, it absolutely is. And, and uh, no, I think, I think what we've said about it is probably, you know, it's, and, and it is, it's a, as we do on the show, it's an, ex, it is, it's an exploration. It's not an explanation. This film gives you almost no explanations. It makes you, there's putting the cookies on the top shelf and there's putting them in the top <laughs> shelf the of the cabinet. Right. <laughs> it's putting them on the top shelf of the cabinet that you locked and then you get there and they're in another jar. So that's like, <laughs> that's completely, it, it, it is very, very much an exercise to try to work for it. Um, but I feel like particularly what you've unpacked here and this idea of the ways it can challenge us to examine how we leverage our yes. own humanity yes. in order to uh, gain, in order to uh, overtake, in order to use people and 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 manipulate for our own ends and for our, our for our own uh, acquisition of power or resource or whatever and the ways that we will leverage and pull on and and it doesn't necessarily have to just be that we ourselves are using ourselves we can use a, a sense of common humanity to try to leverage and manipulate and a sense of a, a, appealing to the sense of compassion in other people to draw them in for really no other purpose than but to substantiate our own ends and gains. And I'm, I'm of course, talking about the ways in which somebody will uh, con artists for years appealing to, hey, you know, uh, either uh, I want to get you in on the ground floor of this great business investment or maybe, you know, uh, okay, here's what I'm going to. I keep tap dancing around using specific examples, so I'm going to use one that I think will be common Connors? to everybody. <laughs> I don't know what you're t- who you might be talking yes. about. No, well, well, Sawyer. Um, so uh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> no. So I am talking about the kind of thing where the I'm going to pick on them because, to a degree, I feel in the camp enough to pick on them. Televangelists saying God's going to give you blessing, give you favor, give you miracle, give you hope, give you all of this stuff. We just talked about the, not extensively, uh, Johnny Smith's mom in the dead zone. You know, like, I'm going to give you all of these things if you will send me money. When in the whole time they are trying to, you know, pull their resource for their own ends and gains. That may not be viewed in the same way under the skin is inherently destructive, but it is of a same, a similar nature in which, um, that people will appeal to common decency, common uh, sense of things. They also say like, oh, we're trying to fundraise for, you know, this charity, this charitable organization. Uh, so send us all this money. We're going to fundraise for this organization. But then they shave off 90% of it for themselves and then only give like 10% to the organization that they ostensibly were platforming for. Or to get a bit more nefarious, 
I am going to, you know, if someone's like, I'm going to leverage this political talking point because it will get people riled up, it will get people incensed, it will get people mad, and then they will come and vote for me or vote uh, against the other guy or whatever. And all of these things, televangelists, uh, dishonest uh, fundraising drives um, or political schemes, whatever they are, are... In grand ways, we talked about granular ways, these are broader ways of where people are like, okay, well, now uh, these are the ways that I will leverage my humanness and leverage other people's sense of humanness for more nefarious, predatory, uh, and and despicable in many ways means. Anyway, I didn't. I don't mean to just like rile us up. That's just sort of part and parcel of of the other thing. Um, but yeah, fascinating film. Incredibly fascinating film. Um, and uh, so yeah, you ready to go to the fog meter, or you want to? I am. In fact, the fog meter right. is our fear of God's own copyright, patent pending, trademark <laughs> uh, metric by which we assess all pretty much all of the films and even some of the non-films that we do discuss here on the show um taken explicitly from our name so we're going to look at the fear and the god and or substance inherent to the piece um fear and under the skin i think the movie lives up to its name and i would give under the skin my impulse is maybe to go higher, but I'm going to go at an eight for under the skin on the fear measure. I'm actually going to join you in your eight when when this question, because I don't know if I've unpacked this before, but I don't think about my fog measurements before we get to them because I nope. want to let the I want to let the conversation inform it and everything. And yeah, you do, too. Um, as And as you were kind of setting it up and I was like, where do I land on fear? And eight kept coming to mind. I was like, eight feels right. It feels like, it, you know, it's not like. You know, maximum nightmare fuel. Although that moment under the <laughs> you know, in the upside down, maybe that is jacked. <laughs> so that ain't right. So um, that ain't right. Wow, <laughs> that ain't right. That if anything we've covered in quite a while ain't right. That that ain't, ain't right. Right. No, you're absolutely. Um. So uh, so yeah, eight feels right for this. Um, the God meter, the substance meter, if you will is difficult for this one because the film has a lot on its mind and boy, you have unpacked something that I think will assist any future conversation that I ever have about this film. Cause I think it's absolutely there. And you know, like it's, it, it's text. It's not just, here's what it's been on my mind and let me apply this overlay to it. That's in the text of the film. Um, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give it a nine. Mm, yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, I knew I'd watch something compelling once it was over. Um, doing the reading on it, realizing it took 10 years to sort of become what it became. Um, it is clearly intentional, thoughtful, deliberate. Um, I don't think I'm importing a lot of my own thoughts to it. These are actually coming out of what appears on screen and seems subtextual to it. Nine. 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 Whoa. <laughs> Arnold just showed up under the skin. <laughs> he did. 
And you pull back the layers. It's like, it's me. I'm here. It's a Terminator. It's a Terminator. She's a Terminator under there. <laughs> she's a Terminator. That's it. But she's really not because um, we're all human and we're not robots. We're, that's we're just that's... creatures that are vulnerable. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes, I'm going to start crying in... if we talk about this movie much more. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Okay. So that means that we give Under the Skin, directed by Jonathan Glazer, starring uh, Scarlett Johansson, an eight and a half out of 10 on the fog meter. That feels, is solid. Yeah, it's pretty substantive. Um, and then a, a tougher question for this one. Would you recommend Under the Skin for people? Man. Um, y- yes. Um, okay. It is not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a popcorn hang. Uh, no, it's it's not. And I, I am even going to... Perhaps surprising, definitely probably surprising you, perhaps surprising our listeners. I'm going to land kind of formally on that I do not recommend Under the Skin. But I will say that I would encourage a viewing for people who approach cinema ready for this kind of thoughtful exercise. If you're ready for the film to kind of challenge you and you are on board with seeing something incredibly fascinating, full of some uncomfortable imagery, some uncomfortable situations, but will give you a lot to think about and process after the fact, then yes, I would say, uh, you know, watch it, email us afterwards, and let's have a, a conversation about it. But as a more broad generalization, I would say no. Uh, I don't. I don't blanketedly recommend under the. Skin. See, I was trying to be like the film and say less with my recommend, though, uh, and also because I'm prone to qualify to overqualify. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you've said. I just think. We have thoughtful listeners. We do. And we do. Yes. I think our listeners would be able to discern a lot from a text like this. Yeah, I don't disagree with that one iota. Um, so, man, that's uh, that's 2013 of 2020, 2020 in the books. Uh, next week, we are going to the next year. It is 2014. We have your top 10 lists verified. And we are going to be discussing a film. Uh, it's a it's a repeat performer for uh, a director that we covered way back uh, a while ago now. Uh, Dan Gilroy, Netflix and Netflix yeah, and Netflix chills. and Chills with uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. But we're going to be covering Dan Gilroy's film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo, Nightcrawler. So if you have not seen this as of this recording, it is available on Netflix, and uh, we definitely think that you should watch it. And I think we're going to have a really fun conversation about it. So check out next week, 2014's Top 10 Countdown and Dan Gilroy's Nightcrawler. Nathan, thank you so much. Uh, Particularly on this episode, you have helped me sort of package some thoughts around this film that I was not able to do prior to this conversation. So I really appreciate that. Thanks for having this conversation with me as always. We make the road by talking, brother. And (laughs) (laughs) you are welcome. And we Um, will see you next week in 2014. Yes. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next time. Indeed. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at the Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, 
or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.